What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Clutch Crew Sports. My name is Connor. This week, the host with the most. And to, on today's episode, we're going to be talking about some NFL award front runners. At the start of the season, we predicted four of the top awards in the NFL. Um, we're going to be looking over who are the current front runners for those awards. And uh, spoiler alert, we haven't been doing pretty well on those picks. Um, so hopefully. Um, we can at least get into some good information about the people who are the front runners. We're then going to go over the week for the lock board, which um, was an okay week all around, um, but not the best uh, that we've had in the past. And we're going to close with going around the NCAA and we are going to go over, have a little bit of talk about the bowl games that are going on. There's 44 of them this year and uh, just have a little discussion about whether we think what the future we think should be for the bowl games and, whether all having 44 of them is necessary um, and things like that. So should be a good episode. Now let me introduce you to the rest of the crew. What's up everyone. Zach here. And yeah, it's going to be fun to talk about these NFL award potential guys. I was quite surprised when I saw one of the members that we'll talk about. Um, But yeah, it's, it's going to be a fun episode and I'm looking forward to it. Could it possibly be because I put the wrong picture to start with? That was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. What's going on, y'all? Eric, the ranting co-host here. My Jaguars lost again, which, you know, shouldn't be too much of a surprise, I guess. But playing the Texans and with Urban Meyer being fired, you know, I thought that we would have a chance to win this game at home, maybe be kind of a resurgence. But we didn't win. and. My friend Tyler that I work with, who's a Texans fan, I owe him four crispy tacos from my job as part of a lost bet. So, ouch! Uh, shout out to you, Tyler. Let me know when you want those tacos. I'll buy them. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I hope you guys enjoy this. Uh, there's definitely a lot to get into here. So I am definitely looking forward to that part, at least. Yeah, so well, hey, at least um, for y'all's sake, Eric and Zach... At the very least, y'all have the number one draft pick again. So, you know. (laughs) Last year. (laughs) Well, there's definitely a lot less quarterbacks this year. Um, There's only Kenny Pickett and Matt Corral pretty much. So um, definitely would be a different um, looking draft at the top of the board this year. Um, But anyway, so, yeah, we're going to go around the shield as we alluded and talk about some of the NFL awards that we predicted. So at the start of the year. Um, We're going to start here with Offensive Rookie of the Year. Now, at the start of the year, we all predicted that Trevor Lawrence would win this. Spoiler alert, he's not winning it. Um, He's probably not even close to being near the top of the leaderboard right now for this. So, you know, shame on all of us. But, hey, you know, at least we were all wrong. At least there wasn't just, like, one of us that was being stupid. Um, Like I was a couple years ago picking the Falcons to win the Super Bowl. Um, <laughs> ne- I'm never going to live that down, yeah, unfortunately. We still talk about that one. <laughs> yeah, so, but anyway, so right now we have the front runners for this award are Mac Jones and Jamar Chase. And also here, a little bit later on for this, we're going to talk about Travis Etienne. Um, you know, got hurt at the start of the year. Zach said he was surprised because I originally had a picture of James Robinson there because when I Googled Travis Etienne, they brought up James Robinson for some reason. And me not being a Jags fan, I didn't know that until Zach pointed it out. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's Travis Etienne. We'll get to him a little bit later. But Eric, 
talk about the season that the front runner Mac Jones has had and where he how good he's been looking this year. Yeah, Mac, Mac Jones has definitely been a surprise for me. Uh, when we were talking about the rookie quarterbacks coming into this draft, if you had told me that Mac Jones would be the one that would be the front runner, I would have been shocked. I mean, obviously Trevor would have been my first pick, but even then, I don't think Matt Jones would have been my second bet either. Probably would have been Justin Fields. But I got to give him a lot of credit. I don't know if he's going to win the award. I I really feel like it's Jamar Chase's to lose at this point. Because Matt Jones has been more of a game manager type of role. He's not going out there and lighting it up statistically or anything like that. But what he is doing that's really well for a rookie quarterback is he, for the most part, has looked pretty poised out there. He's not really making mistakes. And, you know, for the most part, he's doing what's asked of him and getting the job done. And obviously, the Patriots have a better team around their quarterback than the other rookie quarterbacks do that are playing. But at the same time, I don't really think anybody had high hopes for Matt Jones going into the season other than maybe Patriots fans and Alabama fans. I don't think people were expecting too much out of him. So I give him credit for what he's doing. And while I don't think he will win the award, he definitely deserves to be in consideration for it. So I give him a lot of credit there. Yeah, for sure. He's definitely um, surprised a lot of people I know. But I definitely agree with you about the whole game manager thing. I mean, that game against the Bills, he only threw three passes. So um, it's not like you can really (laughs) consider that he was a big part of uh, that win over the Bills. So uh, we'll see. I know he is the current front runner odds wise. So we'll see if uh, Jamar Chase can usurp him because they're only the only two. But for Jamar Chase, I will say, you know, he's definitely made the Bengals look smarter for taking him because I know – you know, a lot of people, ourselves included, really ragged on the Bengals for making this pick um, because obviously, you know, they wanted to go after him and get him because he's Joe Burrow's buddy. You know, they had that connection at LSU. But the fact that he hadn't played at all the year before and also given that the Bengals had a very glaring need at offensive line, um, you know, in our minds, we thought that they should have gone out and got Penny Sewell, or even if you didn't want Sewell, like get Rashawn Slater, get some form of offensive line. Um, but instead, they went for the skill position with Jamar Chase, and he's been a real standout. Um, he's really developed a connection with Joe Burrow. And I definitely think one thing that's helped him a lot is that, for once, Joe Mixon has actually not turned out to be a dud this season, because um, I know... That's another thing we've always been racking on. It's like Joe Mixon's always rated so highly in the fantasy rankings, but then he never ends up doing anything. Um, but the Bengals have actually had a run game this year, so it's really helped Jamar Chase to, you know, they're not, they have to focus on the run game as well. So Jamar Chase can really get out in space and do what he does, which, you know, he got over the drop problem that he had in the preseason. Um, so overall, it's been a good campaign for him. The only thing in my mind holding him back is just the fact that he's not a quarterback. Um, you know, there's this whole, I guess, like notion or stigma now in the NFL that like whenever there's a major offensive award, like the quarterbacks are always the first to be considered no matter what someone else is doing, which we'll actually get into a discussion about that a little bit later. Um, but you know, I, I definitely think he's deserving of this award. And, you know, especially if Mac Jones kind of carries on the rest of the year, just kind of being a game manager, then 
I don't see how you can give it to him over Jamar Chase, especially with the team he's got around him in New England. Like, that defense is unreal. So, um, yeah. So, now we're going to move on, and I'll let Zach talk about Travis Etienne, who missed all of this season. You know, he figured to be in this race potentially for Offensive Rookie of the Year, but he never even got the chance um, because he got injured in the preseason. So, Zach, talk to me about what you're expecting out of Travis Etienne next year. Yeah, so this is very tough to predict because there's so many fluid things going with the Jags right now. We don't know who the head coach will be, um, but the team surely is going to change a lot of the staff. So we really just, I'm really just going to guess based on how he was used in college. Um, You know, especially his senior year, he was more of a receiving back, a speedster, a guy who can play a slot wide receiver kind of do all different things, catch, you know, screens. Um, He can run up the middle too. Probably won't be doing that as much with James Robinson on the team, but I do think he's going to be a dynamic duo with James Robinson. I, while most Jags fans didn't like the pick and I definitely thought it could have been better. I thought there were better choices at the time. I'm not, you know, giving up on him already you know, even though he's just been injured, I think you could potentially see, I know Eric would like this for sure, but this could be like the second coming of like Fred Taylor and Maurice Jones drew for those like two or three seasons. They were both playing together on the same team. Oh and yeah, man. That God, would be, even get a resemblance of that. I'd be happy. <laughs> yeah. Because I mean, you know, J- uh, James Robinson, he's proven, you know, he's, he's, he would be more like the Fred Taylor and then Jones drew or uh, ETN could be more like that Jones drew, like the kickoff return guy, the, you know, take it to the house speedster 90 yard run sort of guy. So I think he's going to be good. Um, I I do. He's got the connection with Trevor also. So I, I think ETN is going to be a guy to look at for sure next year. And I don't think he'll be the best of these rookies. Like even if he was playing this year, he would never win the award, but um but yeah, I, I've got high hopes for him. Yeah, for sure. All right. So then we move on to the defensive rookie of the year. Um, and we're going to start with someone from Susan, Eric's fiance's favorite team, Micah Parsons. So Eric, take it away with Micah Parsons. Eric? Eric? Oh, shoot. Sorry, I was muted. My bad. <laughs> Uh, so I forgot that I muted myself again, my bad. But yeah, so we were talking about with the offensive rookie of the year, how none of us got that right. But thankfully for me, this is the one that I'm getting right so far. And it seems like it is Parsons race to lose at this point. I have definitely been very surprised with him. I mean, I thought going into the season, basically that he was going to be a middle linebacker and that he was going to be the one to, you know, replace Sean Lee, replace Jalen Smith, and it'd be kind of him and Leighton Vanderesh running the middle and covering the tight ends and doing all that. And he does do that sometimes, but I really like how the Cowboys use him. You know, sometimes they do that. Sometimes he rushes on the edge. They line him up in multiple different spots all over the field and it makes it tricky for the other teams because you have to account for where he's at on the field and 
kind of adjust your game plan accordingly. But when you never know where he's going to be, it, it makes it harder for opposing offenses. So I really give Dallas credit for how they're using him. And I give him credit for, you know, filling all of these different positions. He's definitely lighting it up out there. Now, there's some people that are saying that maybe he should be considered for overall defensive player of the year. And that, I do think, is a stretch. I don't even think he's the best defensive player on his own team, which we'll get to that in a minute. But so while he is very good, he's definitely deserving of the rookie DPOI. I do think he's getting overhyped a little bit in his terms of his ranking of the league. I don't know if you guys agree or disagree with that, but in terms of defensive rookie of the year, he's definitely got that on lock in my opinion. But what do, what do you do? You guys think, or do you guys agree with me on that? Yeah, I would say so. Okay. Yeah, I wanted to see. I was curious if either of y'all had a differing opinion on that. No. Um, yeah, I definitely think that considering him for overall defensive player of the year is probably taking it a little bit too far, but you know, definitely rookie of the year. I agree. He's there. Uh, but the other guy who slightly maybe still has a chance to get into this award if Parsons were to get hurt or if he just somehow like lights it up in the last few weeks of the year would be Pat Sertain, the corner for the Broncos. So talk a little bit about Pat Sertain, Zach. Yeah, so Pat Sertain, in my opinion, was definitely the best corner. Uh, coming into the draft, I thought he was a step above uh, J.C. Horn and some others. And I, I'm still believing in this. I think he's the best corner from the class. And uh, I actually did see him in person that week. They played the Jags. He had a great game that week. I think he was like defensive rookie of the week um, after that week. So he stood out to me in person. So I've got a little bit of bias in thinking he's – you know, he's legit. He's all that. Broncos fans, if he doesn't win the award, you know, you can, you know, you can try and be like, oh, man, like, why did he got robbed or whatever? They can say that. But, like, at the end of the day, the these awards, they don't define careers. And, like, he's going to have a great career, I think, regardless of winning this award or not. So, yep. Yeah, very well said. I, I think he's been great as well. Um, but then the other corner from this class, kind of similar to what we did with ETN, I'm going to talk like very shortly about J.C. Horn, um, another defensive corner. He was actually taking the pick before Sertain, which surprised a lot of us um, by the Panthers. But I definitely see bright things ahead for J.C. Horn, even though he got hurt. I mean, he's definitely playing in one of the best defensive situations in the league. I mean, that Panthers defense is really good, especially with their front seven being able to get to the quarterback on a consistent basis. It really helps the corners. Um, so that the way they're not out there for long periods of time. And it would have been interesting to see, I think, if he had stayed healthy, because I know like I would have loved to seen the battle between him and Sertain because they were both playing really well at the start and they were both kind of vying for which corner was better, obviously. But I still think, you know, for sure he loses out to Micah Parsons. But um, I definitely think it would have been interesting to see which one between him and Sertain was going to come out on top. So uh, we'll get to see that next year. Unfortunately for him, he did get hurt, so he's not going to do it this year. But there's a lot of good youth on the defensive side of the ball this year, which I think was something we really couldn't say outside of Chase Young last year. So um, the future is bright for the defense. Now we're going to move on to the MVP and the Defensive Player of the Year awards. Um, I do have MVP listed higher uh, on the upper spot on this slide, but I'll start with Defensive Player of the Year since it's the less prestigious award. 
Um, and we're going to start with the two front runners virtually in a tie for the front running position right now, which this is one thing that we have gotten right as a podcast. Three of us picked TJ Watt, Zach, the lone one that picked Miles Garrett to win this award. Uh, but they are both the front runners for this. And TJ Watt, I mean, I don't know what else there is to say about him this year, other than the fact that he's leading the league in sacks with 17. He's got three or four forced fumbles on the year. And yet, some, and some, and he's only, he's missed like three or four games this year due to injury. And yet he's still leading the league in sacks, in tackles for loss, and he's got those four force fumbles. I mean, this dude is an absolute beast. The Steelers' defense is definitely not the same without him. They threw up a graphic during the game that with him, the Steelers are 6-2, and two, and without him, they were 0-4-1. So, you know, kind of for all those people who say, like, oh, he's only good because he plays on a good defense, like, he makes a huge difference for this defense. So, um TJ Watt, in my opinion, he got robbed last year of the award. I, they gave it to Aaron Donald just because he's Aaron Donald, in my opinion. So hopefully this year for him is going to be the year. I know, you know, he's still kind of living in JJ's shadow because of that in a way, because JJ's won it three times. But TJ's still very young, so he's got plenty of time. Um, and hopefully he can close out the year strong. But I'll talk, let Zach talk about his other counterpart for the front running position, and that is Miles Garrett from the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, so what makes this really interesting is these they're both guys in the same division here, two AFC North pass rushers. So obviously there's going to be, you know, they're going to play each other twice a year. And the first matchup between the two is epic. I mean, both of them were, you know, I saw Garrett get another sack on Roethlisberger. Watt did the same. He had like a fumble too. So they were both like making plays. And I think that's what it's going to come down to is I think if, you know, we'll get to the third guy later, but between the two of them, at least, I think it's going to come down to honestly their last game between each other. And I think if one of them has a much better game than the other, I think that's who's going to get the award. I mean, like stat wise, you know, stats aren't the you can't just live by the stats. You have to watch the game, too. That's why, you know, Garrett's got very good stats, probably, you know, you know, like you said, Watt's got slightly better stats, but the strip sack, the fumble strip sack against the Ravens last week, I mean, that basically won them the game. If if they hadn't had that play, now that just shows how important he is for the Browns. I think he's their best player on the team and definitely one of the best defense players in the league every year for the past three or four years. But Eric, talk about this other X factor here and why you think he's got a real shot at this. Yeah, so my X factor is uh, Micah Parsons, fellow teammate in Dallas, Trayvon Diggs. I know Susan's going to be happy with me the way I've been talking about all these Cowboy players. I'll definitely get some points for this. But but I really – I don't know if he's going to win. I feel like it is probably going to come down between – Garrett and Watt just with the way everything's been talked about but personally I really don't understand why Trayvon Diggs is not at least in the conversation I mean he has been setting the league on fire this year with his interceptions and what I kind of want to compare him to was I believe it was last season I believe it was last season uh, with Xavier Howard from the Dolphins he had a season similar to this where he had a bunch of interceptions, but didn't get talked about for defensive player of the year. 
But I felt like a big reason for that was because he also got, while he got all those interceptions, he also got torched a lot. And I really think that prevented him from being in the conversation. But I've watched a good amount of Cowboys games this year. And I really don't see Trayvon Diggs get beat that often. He obviously happens every now and then. No corner is perfect. But, I mean, I don't know. Just seeing him pretty much playing lockdown defense majority of the time in addition to getting all of these interceptions. I believe he's at 10 right now. I don't know how he's not at least being considered. I mean, because I give T.J. Watt a lot of credit you know, to be leading the league in sacks despite not playing in every game and the consistency that Miles Garrett has been having this year. I'm definitely not saying like Trayvon Diggs should for sure be the defensive player of the year. But in my mind, I just don't understand how he's at least not being considered. We we were talking before the episode started and according to the odds right now, he's only fifth, I believe. Was that right, Connor? Yeah, he's fifth. Like right now it's Garrett and Water like virtually tied for first, and then it's Micah Parsons third, Aaron Donald fourth, and then Trayvon Diggs fifth. Yeah, so that that's what I don't understand. I don't really understand how Micah Parsons is third overall. I don't really see how he's higher than Diggs. You know, again, like I said when I was talking about Parsons, he's been doing he's had a great season, but Trayvon Diggs has just been better in my opinion. And and that you know, the Aaron Donald with the whole oh well, he's Aaron Donald thing. You know, I he's been good this year, but not amazing. I, I would definitely argue Trayvon Diggs has been better than him, too. I mean, I, I think Diggs should at least be third on the list, but I don't know. I don't know if you guys feel the same way about that, or maybe I'm overpassionate or something. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it, it definitely shocks me that he's below uh, that he's below Donald and Parsons like that. I was surprised when I looked at the odds today, like, cause for the whole season, pretty much he had been kind of around TJ and Garrett, but then all of a sudden I'm like, wow, he's fifth. Like what? Yeah. I mean, I know he's cooled like, down on his interceptions a little bit cause he got like eight, I think through the first seven games. And then he's only gotten two since then, but still, I don't know. He's, he's still, I would, if I, if I, Eric, if I had a vote, he would be my vote to win to be honest with you. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's crazy to me that he's like, he's the first person in a really long time to potentially like challenge the all time record for interceptions in a season. And he's not even being considered. So um, yeah, definitely that, the fact that he's not even being considered is just ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know who knows. I guess these, these award voters really favor, I guess uh, it's really hard for a DB to win this award anymore. Unfortunately, it seems like it always goes to edge rushers now. Um, but anyway, moving on to the MVP award, the premier award for NFL players, even though it's really just a quarterback award now, um, we'll get to that later, but Zach, you know, 44 year old Tom Brady, you know, he's still doing it, still getting it done. And he is the current front runner for the MVP. So talk about Tom Brady. Yeah. So this is, you know, I think everybody knows who Tom Brady is. If you're listening to this podcast, um, you know. He's had an amazing season. <laughs> yeah. Uh, kind of just picking up at where the playoffs were. And really, ever since they lost that game to the Chiefs, you know, they had kind of an easy schedule in 2020 at the end of the year. And then 
they rolled through the playoffs and then they've just continued that momentum and it helped it for sure helps that he has all the weapons around him we'll see going forward now i know there's you know it looks like some injuries right now with mike evans and godwin that could definitely make uh make it much more difficult for him to win the award but yeah i mean we saw aaron Rodgers, an older guy win the award last year i think you know i definitely think it's brady's to lose right now just considering how their record is they're one of the best teams in the nfl generally the best team in the nfl and the quarterback on that team is gonna win the award so just doing the math on the how the award is given out that's tom brady so well uh, he definitely yeah. needs to uh, get over his hump of the New Orleans Saints, though, if he's going to do no. that. But, um, yeah, for yeah. sure, he is the front runner. I agree, as much as I hate to see it. Um, he definitely is up there. But, Eric, talk about the guy who, you know, a lot of – none of us really considered coming into this, uh, this season when it came to the MVP award, Aaron Rodgers, who is the current runner-up at the moment. Uh, talk about him and the season he's had. Yeah, so I, I agree there with what Connor said. I definitely did not consider Rodgers at all, partly because he was the MVP last year, and it's usually pretty difficult for someone to win MVP back-to-back. And then also just with the turmoil going on with the team, I mean, we didn't even know if he was going to be in Green Bay when the season started. So it was really hard to realistically consider him as an option going into the season. But... If you look at how he's done this season, I mean, he's still been pretty incredible. I mean, obviously, the very first game against the Saints, I don't really know what happened there. That was obviously a really terrible game for him to start. But since then, I mean, he's been on a roll. He's only thrown two interceptions since that first game, and he's thrown 30 touchdowns. I mean, that's a pretty amazing touchdown to interception ratio even for the whole season 30 to 4 that that's pretty good and I guess if there was a game this season that really stood out to me where I would say Aaron Rodgers deserves the MVP it was the game against Arizona where they beat them when they had none of their top three receivers and his best tight end got hurt during that game and he still led them to a victory. I mean, that that to me was just really impressive. Because obviously the more talent you have around you, the easier it is to be able to get things done. But to not have any of his top weapons and still win that game was pretty impressive. Granted, it was a defensive stop at the end. But the fact that he even kept a minute was pretty awesome. So... I give Rodgers a lot of credit, and I definitely think he has a real chance to win. I w- will say, while the Bucks overall have obviously had a great season, you know they've had a couple moments and times where they haven't been as good. And like I know they're, I don't know what the score is in the Saints game right Six now. Six to zero, still. Oh, that's exciting. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, so if Brady has a couple more duds type of games like this to end the season possibly then I could even though Rodgers is second right now I could see him possibly you know getting in there and stealing it at the end and becoming a back-to-back MVP which for a guy who doesn't want to be on the team he's playing on that would be pretty impressive 
Well, definitely, I think one thing that's going to help him too is that you know Zach mentioned the best team currently. Even if the Bucks win tonight, the Packers are still the number one seed in the NFC at the moment. So, um, I think that's definitely one thing helping him too. But lastly, I wanted to close for this talk talking about Jonathan Taylor. Now, Jonathan Taylor has been an absolute monster this year. He's on pace to get over 1,800 rushing yards, leads the NFL by far in rushing yards. Like I'm pretty sure the person who's in second place is like over 350 yards behind him. He leads the league in rushing touchdowns, leads the league in scrimmage touchdowns, in scrimmage yards. I mean, he's just been an absolute monster this year. I mean, because even like with Derrick Henry, like, you know, he would lead the league in rushing yards, but maybe not so much in scrimmage yards. Like Taylor's leading it all right now. And the part that also amazes me too is like the fact that he's doing it on this Colts offense that literally has nothing else besides him. Like he reminds me of Barry Sanders in a way with this, how like he's got a very mediocre quarterback in Carson Wentz. Like I can't tell you how many times I saw Carson Wentz try to lose that game for them on Thursday against the Patriots or on Saturday against the Patriots. Like, goodness gracious, I was like, Carson, like, what are you doing? Like, you are literally throwing it right to the other team, and you're just getting lucky that they're dropping it, basically. So, I mean, obviously the Colts have a good defense, but, you know, combined with Carson Wentz and having basically no receivers, like, when your top receivers are Michael Pittman and Zach Paschal, like, that's not saying much. And, like, T.Y. Hilton's still definitely not back to what he used to be. So, I give Jonathan Taylor a lot of credit, and it has always bugged me here in the last few seasons that we never consider anyone other than a quarterback for the MVP award. Like if you look at the odds right now, like Brady's first Rogers is not far behind in second. And then it's like, you know, Kyler Murray, Patrick Mahomes, Dak Prescott, like all quarterbacks, like Taylor's not even in the conversation. Derek Henry wasn't even hardly in the conversation last year when he rushed for over 2000 yards. So I don't know. This is, something that I'm sure has been posed before, but in my opinion, I definitely think they should consider this more like, especially for someone like Taylor, where like, I know like some running backs are a product of their team. Like if you run behind a really good line and also you have a good quarterback and like Emmett Smith, for example, I can use as an example, like he had a hall of fame quarterback, a hall of fame, offensive line, a hall of fame receiver. Like everything was great about that offense. But when you're the only person on that offense, like Taylor is, To me, and he's like the main reason in my mind for the success for the Colts, that to me is a most valuable player. So I don't know. I know you guys are obviously Jaguars fans. You don't like the Colts. But um, what would your guys' opinions be on where you think Taylor should fall in this race? I I would probably put him where he is in what you said, like fifth or sixth, that sort of thing. I think I, I, I'm sorry. I just have to say, you can't compare him to Barry Sanders with com- the Colts. I'm, talking, off- I'm like, talking about his season this year. He's definitely, his career is definitely not Barry Sanders, but like his, the season he's been having this year. But also too, he's playing behind one of the best offensive lines. Like the quarterback's not good. The receivers aren't good, but that offensive line, even before him was good, you know, like Marlon Mack was having success and, Obviously, it's not just the offensive line. He's very good, but I that's something you have to also take into consideration. Is like, yeah, it's not just the running back with this. You got to factor the O line in, and they've got a great offensive line. So he's definitely the best running back in the league, MVP wise. Another thing too that's that I a reason why I put him at fifth or sixth is it's not even a guarantee the Colts make the playoffs. 
you know, there's a chance they could miss the playoffs. And if that happens, there's no way anybody can win MVP and their team missed the playoffs. So um, if the Colts were like 12 and two or something crazy like that, I'd say, yeah, he definitely could be the MVP. But the fact that his team isn't in that position means he can't be for me. But Eric, what about you? I mean, I would consider it. I mean, I agree. I agree with what you're saying about their O line. I mean, obviously. Well, actually, Zach, I have to tell you that I know this isn't actually like, you know, a huge say, like, you know, maybe full indication of how good the O line is. But according to PFF, the Colts offensive line is in the bottom half of the league. So lost me at PFF. I'm sorry, but I treat them like they're kindergarten kids. Like, I, they're a means nothing at all to me they don't watch the all 22 game film so i am sorry but pff i take with a grain of salt anyway eric yeah and they do have quentin nelson who we know he's definitely not in the bottom half of the no he's definitely yeah (laughs) he's the best offensive lineman in football i think we can all agree on that probably yeah so anyway i would consider it just because like i agree with zach about the o-line but i also agree with connor about he just, he's basically the whole offense, though, in terms of getting yards. And I, I give him credit for what he's been doing. I, I, I wouldn't put him ahead of Tom or Aaron, but I would put him ahead of some of the other quarterbacks you mentioned. Like, like Patrick Mahomes has been doing better, so I would probably still have Mahomes above him. But, you know, the fact that, like, Dak Prescott was above him and uh, who was the – I forgot who the other one you said Tyler was. Tyler Murray. But, yeah, Kyler Murray, like he's been kind of falling off lately. I, I would, I would definitely put Jonathan Taylor over them. I, it's kind of like with the Trayvon Diggs thing, where I agree, like maybe he shouldn't, he nece- maybe shouldn't necessarily be the winner, but he should at least be getting considered. And you know, this is not biased coming from a Jags fan. So, <laughs> but yeah, and I, especially <laughs> last year with Derrick Henry getting over two thousand yards. I mean, especially with today's style of play, it's so rare for a running back to have an accomplishment like that and the fact that he wasn't even considered last year is pretty crazy as well but yeah I don't know I I I agree it shouldn't necessarily just always be the quarterback even though you know quarterback obviously is the leader and the most important position to a team success but if a skill position player is putting up those kind of numbers I think they should be considered all right so that's Jonathan Taylor, and that's the awards. Now we'll move on to our three games of the week. So, Zach, take it away with the Saturday night matchup between uh, these two teams. All right, so Saturday night, we got the Colts. Speaking Hard- of Jonathan Taylor and Kyler Murray. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> Here we go. That was the MVP. Uh, yeah, so this is gonna. This is a good game here. This is um, this is a, another a good matchup on by the NFL for Saturday. Um, you have the interesting dynamic here of two teams going in opposite directions. The Cardinals just lost to the Lions this week badly, and the Colts had a, a good win over the Patriots. So two teams going completely opposite directions. However, you know, it's the NFL. The stuff changes every week. I'm taking the Cardinals to win. I know they don't have DeAndre Hopkins anymore. But they still were having success without him. They still have a good record as a team. I think this is a one-off against the Lions. I don't think they're gonna they're gonna be motivated not to you know look like frauds like they did today. 
And the Colts, another thing too is I they're another team I think that gets a bit overrated. Like eventually they're gonna, you know, the Cardinals have a good enough defense, I think, to stop Taylor. So I'm gonna say the the Cardinals control the game. I'll say Cardinals twenty seven, Colts twenty one. Eric, what about you? As much as I hate to do this, I have to disagree with you here. I the Colts have been playing pretty well lately, even though Carson Wentz is Carson Wentz. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know, Jonathan Taylor, like we talked about, he's straight carrying them right now, and the Colts' defense is pretty good. They they've been doing pretty well, even though they lost to the Bucks recently. That was a really close game, and then. Now they've had a couple of great wins, beating New England, who was on a hot streak and, you know, actually ending up winning kind of not super easily. It wasn't like a blowout or anything, but, you know, they it wasn't like New England was really close the whole time or something. I mean, Indy really controlled a majority of the game. So I just and then with Arizona losing to Detroit rather easily today and they lost to the Rams when I thought they would beat them when the Rams were down a lot of players. They had that ugly loss to Carolina at home not that long ago. I just I, I just don't trust Arizona right now. I I think Indy will win this game. I want to say that Indy takes it 30 to 17. So Connor, you're the tiebreaker vote here. What, <laughs> what give us your thoughts here? Yeah, this is extremely tough for me out of these three matchups. This was probably the hardest one for me to pick. Um, but I think I'm going to have to go with Eric and take the Colts right now just for purely the way they're going. I mean, Kyler Murray has not been looking good the past few weeks. Like he did throw for over 300 yards against the Rams, but he had no touchdowns and two picks. Um even though they beat the Bears, he looked pretty underwhelming in that game. I know that was his return from injury, but still, like, he looked very underwhelming, and it is the Bears who are really bad. Um, and then just this week against the Lions, I mean, it's the Detroit Lions. Like, come on, how can you not at least put up some kind of a fight against the Lions? So, um, yeah, I have to go. Like I said, the Colts are trending up right now. They're looking really good. They're, and I know that the Colts are motivated right now because they're really closing in on Tennessee for that lead in the division. And they want, and they know Tennessee's weak right now. So I'm going to have to take the Colts on the road. It's going to be a real close one. Um, but I think they're going to win on a game-winning drive touchdown from Jonathan Taylor. And the Colts are going to win 24-21. to all right, so Eric, next we have the AFC North Showdown at the 1 o'clock slot, and talk about that. Yeah, so Connor said the Colts-Cardinals game was the hardest one for him to pick. This Ravens-Bengals game is probably the hardest one for me to pick. You know, if you're going by off of what happened last time, obviously Cincinnati beat them pretty easily, and they are at home this game, which would also give them an advantage, but... At the same time, Cincinnati has been kind of inconsistent on offense here lately. They're they're getting off to really slow starts. Uh, Joe Burrow definitely is not lighting it up right now. And so I'm a little worried about the Bengals. And whereas at the same time on the other end, I don't know if Lamar Jackson's going to come back for this game. He was highly questionable. I think they were kind of trying to bluff a little bit with him I really don't think he was going to come back but but since he was questionable all week I don't know then if he comes back this week but even if he doesn't um 
Huntley has been doing a nice job filling in for them. He nearly led them to a comeback last week uh, when they were down pretty big against the Browns. And then today, while they lost to the uh, Packers at the end when they went for two and didn't get it, I mean, he kept them in that game and did pretty well against Green Bay's defense, who, for the most part, has been pretty good this year. So I'm having a really hard time deciding on who I am picking here, but I did pick the Bengals to win the division when we had our talk a few weeks ago and when we uh, were deciding between the Ravens and Bengals, who did we think would win? So I think I have to go with the Bengals here, but I don't think they're going to blow them out like they did last time. I think it'll be a lot closer and I'm going to say Cincinnati wins 24-23. Connor, you're the AFC North guy with the Steelers, so I'll go to you next. What do you think? Yeah, I think I'm going to have to go with the Cincinnati Bengals here. Um, I just think like, you know, the Bengals have the game plan for stopping the Ravens, especially like from who excuse me, especially from what happened last time. And it's not like Tyler Huntley; he's basically like Lamar Jackson 2.0. I mean, like he's the exact same style of play, just maybe like a hair slower when running. So you know, the Ravens are going to be the same team with him under center, and they were today against the Packers. I think partially the reason why they were able to come back is because. You know, the Packers, they're playing kind of that late game, like soft coverage, um, you know, prevent defense sort of thing, which, you know, prevent defense. Don't even get us started on that. So prevent um, fans. We're not fans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as, as Zach was about to say, prevents you from winning. Um, thankfully for them, it didn't. But I think really, I mean, the Bengals know, I think, and they're probably the one team I've seen that was able to do this. They know that you have to stop Mark Andrews when you play the Ravens, whereas like the Packers kind of weren't doing that early in the game. Um, so I think the Bengals are going to do it. I think they're going to take the win. They seem to play a lot better at home anyway. I think they kind of struggle on the road, but they, you know, at home they've played really well. So I'm going to give it to the Bengals and I'm going to say that they're going to win this game, uh, 30 to 27. Zach, what about you? Yeah, I've got the Bengals as well. It's hard not to, you know, just completely be like, okay, last time these two teams played, what happened? Um, we all know, and yeah, the Ravens, reality is catching up to them. I always love just pointing out all these teams I think are overrated. Like, I don't know why, but this season, I just feel like every team is, like, overrated. There's just all these teams are so mediocre, even the good ones. Like, if they have good records, I'm just like, yeah, but there's flaws. I see the flaws of all these teams. So, Well, especially in the AFC, more, more so, like. Yeah, definitely in the AFC. I mean, just looking at this. I think the Colts, the Ravens, Patriots, and Bills, I think all four of them, and Bengals maybe even two. So, but the Bengals aren't as much frauds and stuff because we expected anything from them. They're just having a surprisingly good season. But I'm going to go with the Bengals to win. I'll say, I'll say they put up 35 to the Ravens, 25. How about, how about that? 25 <laughs> 25 i mean they like to go for two so who knows yeah yeah exactly. um yeah no i i definitely agree with you about the overrate like the only team in the afc that i feel like i can trust right now is the chiefs um other than that like i have no faith in any of these teams so um but yeah so moving on to our last matchup of the week you know we had this two weeks ago and here it is again the buffalo bills and the new england patriots um 
Thankfully, for the Bills' sake, the Patriots lost to the Colts. So now it puts the Bills in a position that they can kind of control their own destiny again um, because they kind of lost that when they lost a couple weeks ago. But now if they beat the Patriots in this game, they will take over first place in the division um, because they'll they'll have the head-to-head like tie, but the Bills will be 4-1 in division play and the Patriots will be 3-2. And And I'm pretty sure the Bills' only division game left is is against the Jets. Um, So that should be an easy W for the Bills. Um, I think the Patriots still have to play Miami, so we'll see how that goes since they lost to them in week one. But um, back to this game, this is definitely going to be a different game in my opinion because I'm assuming that the weather in New England isn't going to be like the way it was in Buffalo for that first game. I mean, that weather was insane. I remember the wind just going in that one direction. Like the punter had like a punt that, you know, maybe under normal circumstances would have gone like 40, 50 yards, but it basically got blown back in his face almost and only went like 15 yards. So... That was a pretty unique game, and obviously it favored the Patriots with their better rushing attack, and the Bills um, didn't have one. But Devin Singletary looked really good today in the game against Carolina, a really good defense. He had 86 yards. Um, so, you know, just like I did last time, I got to go with the Buffalo Bills this time. You know, I don't, the weather is not going to be there this time. I think Josh Allen's going to be able to do it. And also, the Bills are going to be able to force Mac Jones to have to throw the ball this time. Um, especially if the Bills can get their offense going, which I think helps the Bills if they can force New England to throw it. So I'm going to say the Bills win this game. I'm going to say it's going to be 27 to 21 Buffalo wins. Uh, Zach, what about you? So, yeah, this is going to be a good one, a close one. I picked the home team last time. I'm going to pick the home team again. Um, I'm not sure if the video just stopped recording or not. It says Eric's yeah. still recording. I don't know what that was. Yeah, but... I, I got like kicked out of the call somehow, like, and I lost the recording for a brief second during Connor talking about the game. I don't think we lost too much, though. Hopefully not. Okay. <laughs> well, oh, well. <laughs> but they're, they're, it's going again, so we're, we're yeah, good it's Yeah, it's going. We're fine. Okay. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, I picked the home team first time. I'm going to pick the home team again. Uh, I, these teams, I, I just find flaws with both of them, honestly. So I'm just going to go with the home team. I know they're good teams. Like, you know, compared to the Jaguars, you know, like, (laughs) but the the Bills lost the Jaguars. That's a flaw right there. So I don't don't know. Especially when Urban Grinder was still there. Yeah. Yeah. Or Urban Meyer. (laughs) But, um. But yeah, I'm gonna go Patriots. I'll say low scoring though, like twenty-four to twenty. Something, something like that. Yeah, I got it. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Zach here. I I think the Patriots are gonna keep that rushing attack going. And I but I do think a, a difference in this game is I mean Buffalo's gonna really be expecting that after what happened to them last time. And I know some of the Bills players were kind of embarrassed in their press conference when they had to answer questions about them giving up all those rushing yards and all that. So I really think they're going to be hyper-focused on trying to stop that, and then New England will hit them with some play action. So I I do think New England will win again, even though they struggled in the game against the Colts. That hurt my trust in them a little bit, but I still trust them more than the Bills right now. I'm going to go uh, Patriots 20-17. to All right, so those are the games of the week, and now we will move on to the lock board. Um, This week, 
we have the standings pretty much stayed the same. Um, Zach got five points, which brought his total up to 47. He stays in third place. Eric with five points as well, tying for first place with the best week. That moves him up to 62 points. Um, so he's still in first place. I got three points, bringing my total up to 44, still in last place. And Nate got two points at 49, still hanging on to second place. 13 points behind the lead. Um, unless something dramatic happens, it's looking really good for Eric right now to take the title. Um, but, you know, you never know what can happen. I was, I like to mention that I was, you know, two game-winning drives away from a 13-point week a couple weeks ago. So who knows? Um, but we'll get to the picks. Zach had the first pick. Um, so, Zach, talk about your picks. Yeah, so I think after this week, my strategy has been exposed. I am picking all five winners. <laughs> for every game that's you know not ideal you don't want to have to be that desperate but with the way things are i mean heck if i'd gotten all my five pointers right and eric had a zero i would have been tied with him so that's how insane it could be to flip this thing around so we're we're at the final stretch here the season my five pointers that i ended up with were jets over dolphins i i saw value in this I expect I thought Miami was going to win, but I saw value possibly winning. Same thing with Falcons over 49ers, but I have trusted Falcons way too much in the lockboard this season. And it's, and I just haven't learned my lesson yet. They'll probably be one of these next games, they'll probably be on this listing. You'll probably see me pick one. I'll probably get it wrong. But, (laughs) um, and then my third pick, you know, third one's the charm here. I had UAB over BYU. I really considered this one mainly because of the interest factor. I mean, BYU, they had higher expectations. They wanted like an undefeated season and things kind of fell apart for them at the end of the season. They didn't, you know, end up where they wanted to. Whereas UAB, they're a team that's like super excited to get a chance to play a number 13 ranked team. They were going to be highly motivated to win this, to beat a ranked team in a bowl game. It, the motivation was t- totally on the UAB side here. So I figured that, and also I didn't think the talent gap is that much either. I think UAB is a pretty good team. So BYU being overrated, the motivation, that's that was my reasoning for picking it. Connor, tell us about your lock board and your strategy as well. Yeah, so I, I saw Zach's strategy of going with all the five-pointers, and honestly, that's probably what I'm going to do next week. Um, but this week, I figured, you know, maybe I'll try just like one more week of trying to just do something a little slightly more normal. Um, I didn't put any two-pointers in my rankings, I will say that. Um, I just went with five-pointers and three-pointers. My first pick was Eastern Michigan over Liberty, and Liberty had really been struggling this year. I know there was a lot of hype around um, – they had a game against Louisiana. Um, there was a lot of hype that, oh, maybe like, you know, they can be the one to um, take down Louisiana. But, um, you know, they didn't. They actually kind of got blown out in that game. So I figured, you know, also with these bowl games, they're all such a crapshoot anyway. So I figured, you know, why not just try and go pick one of these out? And I picked out Eastern Michigan. Unfortunately, that didn't really go too well. Liberty was able to uh, pull off a pretty easy victory. 
Then my next two picks were NBA picks. I went with the Nuggets over the Hawks. Um, that ended up being a pretty easy win for the Nuggets. I was pretty surprised that the Hawks were favored, even though they were at home. Um, they just haven't been playing up to that level that, you know, we're used to them playing at. And also, um, you know, it's just, especially with Jokic and everything being back, the Nuggets have been playing better. So I decided to go, I thought that was pretty good. I'd go with the Nuggets there. Um, and then my last pick was the Sacramento Kings over the Memphis Grizzlies. And, you know, I figured Sacramento was at home that they could take this one, but they ended up being the Sacramento Queens and allowing the Memphis Grizzlies to beat them, um, which the Grizzlies have been pretty decent this year. So didn't come as a huge surprise, I think, to a lot of people. But, you know, I still thought maybe the Kings could do something, but unfortunately they didn't. So only three points this week for me. Probably pretty much eliminates me from any contention uh, in the lock board. So that's a little unfortunate. But Eric, talk about your week that you had. Yeah, I had a, a decent week this week. I thought I was going to get a little more, but I got five points, so I'm definitely not going to complain, uh, which ended up being my first pick. I was fortunate, too, because I ended up actually stealing this one from Zach. So I was happy about that because then Zach would have got 10 points. So that worked out for me. <laughs> Uh, but that ended up being Utah State over Oregon State and whatever the heck the name of that bowl game was. Uh, and I'll just, just kind of combine it with my other pick. I also had a five-pointer with Northern Illinois over Coastal Carolina. That one I got wrong. Uh, Northern Illinois was going for a touchdown drive late at the end of the game and ran out of time on like the two-yard line. It was really close, but uh, neither defense could stop a nosebleed in that game. But I picked both of these because when we did our bowl pick em thing, you know, without even knowing what any of the spreads were, I picked Utah State over Oregon State and Northern Illinois over Coastal. So when I saw that they were both available as five-pointers, even though I didn't need to be aggressive, I thought I would go for it. And so I got one of them, which was good. The last pick, I really didn't want to pick it, but I – saw value in it at the time, which ended up being the Lakers over the Timberwolves. Obviously, you know, being a non-Lakers fan, I really didn't want to pick them, but I was pretty surprised that Minnesota was favored. I thought the Lakers would go in there and win that game, but I guess AD got hurt in that game, and the Lakers obviously struggled without him from the time he went out. I think they were losing before he went out anyway, but uh, so I do give the Timberwolves credit for beating the Lakers. So uh, solid five point for week for me, still in first. So pretty happy about that. Yeah. So and then I'll just quickly go over Nate's picks. Uh, Nate being surprisingly conservative this week, given that you know he was the closest to Eric in the standings, only ten points behind. So um, pretty surprised at how conservative he was. I thought maybe he'd be a little bit more aggressive than this. Um, so he had the Patriots over the Colts for a two point play. Um, obviously taking his favorite team. That didn't work out for him, unfortunately, for him. Then he also went with the Cincinnati Bengals over the Denver Broncos for a two-pointer. That ended up being right. Um, a pretty ugly game, very defensive game, but the Bengals managed to pull it out. And then lastly, this game had an even spread, um, so ended up being a one-pointer uh, opportunity, no matter who you picked in it, whether it was Tennessee or Pittsburgh. Um, whichever you pick will, would have only been worth one point. He went with Tennessee, uh, and they ended up losing to the Steelers in that, the end of that game. So only two points for an eight. Like I said, a very conservative week. So 
that definitely hurts his chances for the uh, getting the crown in the future. But it sets up the draft next week. Nate with the first pick, me with the second pick. Eric staying right where he was with the third pick, and Zach having the last pick, his favorite spot. So um, we'll see how it goes. Definitely gonna you're gonna be seeing a lot more five pointers on this board in the coming weeks. So um, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. Finally. We're going to close with around the NCAA. Now, I alluded alluded to this earlier, you know, and Eric, I talked about, you know, these bowl games and Eric talked about it too. What like whatever the name of that bowl game was that Utah State and Oregon State were in. And it's just, you know, yeah, I, I really did not know the name of it. I would I would <laughs> trust me. The only bowl game that happened over the <laughs> the only uh, bowl game over the weekend that I knew the name of that happened. Well, I knew two of them because I knew the New Orleans Bowl for Louisiana. But the only other one I knew was the. Boca Raton simply because App State was in that one. All the rest of them, I had no clue what they were. Um, and that's what this talk's going to be about. Just like there are just so many bowl games now. I mean, it's like, it's crazy. And it's like they keep adding more every year. Like last, in 2019, I want to I mean, obviously they didn't have as many last year because of COVID and all that stuff. But in 2019, they had 41 and now they've got 44 it's like they just keep adding to it every single year. And, the you know, I remember back in the day when, like, they only had maybe, like, 20-something. And even further back in the day, like, the only bowl games they had were those major ones, like the Rose Bowl, the Orange Bowl, the Fiesta Bowl, the Cotton Bowl, and the Sugar Bowl. So um, there's just so many now. There's, like... I don't remember those days, Connor. Come on, you're not that old, bro. I'm not that old, but, like, that's how it was back in the day. That's what I'm just saying. Like, back in the day, they only had... I thought you said like, I remember when. <laughs> no, I was just saying, like, I, like, back in the day, that's what they had. Like, they only had five bowl games back in the day. They had the five major ones, and that was it. Um, so it's just... To me, it's completely gotten out of control. It's like a 500 team can make the bowl games now. Also... I was saying, I'm not sure what the matchup like matchups are in these bowl games, like why anyone would want to watch them. Like they had Louisiana, a 12 and one conference champion going against a seven and five Marshall team that like was fourth in the conference USA or something like who made that matchup? Like what kind of a stupid game is that? Um, so in my opinion, I feel like they really need to cut down on these. Like I, I know that like they're a big marketing campaign, but like, I don't know. It just seems like. I don't even know how they are a big marketing campaign because I feel like no one's watching these because no one cares. So I don't know what your opinion is, Zach. Like, if you think, I'm sure you think it's too much, but like, you know, if you think they're ever going to get rid of these or like cut down on them to some extent or what you think about this. Oh, man. I, I definitely agree with you on it being way too many. It's sad, honestly, seeing some of these teams make bowls when you're like, these are so, these teams are so undeserving. But yet they're in the bowl anyways. Um, but like you said, it's not going to slow down. You know, more gambling opportunities, more games to get money with the TV networks, more tickets being sold. And, you know, it is a thing, too. It's with some of these fans, especially with like the northern teams, I feel like it's like a tradition for them to like to have a chance in December to go down to the South and have the warm weather and enjoy their team and that sort of stuff, watch their team play football. So it's like, it's, I see the allure to all these bowl games, you know, being in Florida and Texas and California and Arizona, that sort of stuff. But at the same time, like I agree, it's way too many. And in my opinion, I think it's going to keep going this way. I think eventually 
we're going to get to the point where pretty much every team will be in a bowl game. Like it might even be a choice. You might, you as a team might have a choice like, Hey, we can go to a bowl game this year or not. That's, you know, depending on what you feel like, that's how bad bowl games have gotten. It's, I think you're going to end up being like, you know, if we had like a two win season, you could get invited, but you know, decline it. So Eric, what's, what's your take on, on this uh, situation here? Yeah, it's way too much, man. I mean, it's crazy because some of these games I didn't even know, like, were happening. A lot of them, some of the, I mean, I'm not as big of a college football guy as, you know, Nate, Connor, and Zach are, but some of these teams, I barely even know who they are. I had to look them up and stuff when making some of my picks and, and just the names of some of these bowl games are ridiculous and, but I agree though that I don't think it's going to slow down. I mean, because not only there's obviously the money in it, but then you notice, you know, all of these bowl games have sponsor names in them now. Like it used to just be Rose Bowl or Fiesta Bowl. Now it's the PlayStation Fiesta Bowl, or it used to be the Tostitos Fiesta Bowl. And, you know, then you've got the like, uh, Turbo Tax the all, Slayer, the, you know, the, yeah, the the all the all state Sugar Bowl, the Chick Fil A Peach Bowl, the when, and then even some of these oh, uh, yeah. like lower tier bowls, you got like the Victoria Texas Law Firm of Victoria Bowl or whatever, you know, <laughs> stuff like that, you know. <laughs> The Zaxby's, the, the, the Zaxby's Heart of Dallas Bowl or the San Diego County Credit Union Poinsettia Bowl. Like, I think the one that the, the Utah State-Oregon State game, I think that one was like named after a celebrity or something. Like I'm gonna, It was the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl. Oh, yeah, yeah the, the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl. Yeah, the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl. That's right. I, I knew it had a celebrity name in it. I was like, man, this is just stupid, dude. Like, yeah, the Jimmy Kimmel L.A. Bowl. What? <laughs> but they all have these sponsors, and so it's just more ways for the NCAA to get money. And so, unfortunately, I hope it doesn't get to the point where the extreme that Zach's talking about, where like a two and ten team can get a bowl game just to give everybody a bowl game. I really hope it doesn't get to that level. But, but I don't. Even six and six teams getting in, I still think is pretty dumb. But you know, more money for them, more money for betters and gamblers. So course they're going to keep doing it but it it's too saturated and too watered down yeah well especially since half these players in these bowl games don't even want to play in the game like they want to sit out because they want to you know save their body for the nfl it's like okay you know you're expecting like i remember last year that happened in the uh like the orange bowl like even the orange bowl like a major bowl game you know unc versus texas a&m and yet like javante williams michael carter one of UNC's top receivers and like one of our offensive linemen, like all sat out and one of our top defensive players all sat out that game, despite Texas A&M playing all their starters pretty much. And UNC being making it to a major bowl game for the first time in like 50 years, they still all sat out. So, um, but the thing I was going to say, cause I have um, the other picture I have on up here is a, you know, hypothetical like 2014 college football playoff like i'm not saying a 2014 college football playoff is going to happen i do like the app states in it though um you know so thank you to whoever made this but i didn't notice that before um but so my thing would be like okay you know maybe like a solution to this in a way is that you know you can still keep all these bowl games or at least a good amount of them but kind of do it like a 
March Madness style of like college football playoff instead to where like, you know, okay, it's like on this bracket here, like, you know, you have, you know, number 12 Auburn versus number 21 Cincinnati, like they can play in like, you know, the Jimmy Kimmel LA Bowl and then like Utah versus USC can play in like the Birmingham Bowl or something like that, you know, like where you still have some of these bowl games, but it's actually going to where like these players and these teams have a purpose for wanting to play. And it'll actually attract more fans in my opinion and more viewers too, because it actually means something to where, Oh, okay. Like, you know, even if this team is a long shot to win the college football playoff, like we still want to watch it. Cause it's like, why it's the reason why you watch March madness. Right. I mean, like who thought that oral Roberts of all teams was going to make it to the sweet 16 last year, or like, you know, no one thought, or like, you know, a, back like maybe 10 years, I think it was 10 years ago or something like that when Florida Gulf Coast made it all the way to the Sweet 16 or when like VCU made it to the Final Four, like it would at least give people a reason to watch this and make these less meaningless and maybe have like, you know, good games rather than games where like half the starters aren't playing and some of these other like, you know, group of five teams where like there's their coach isn't even coaching in it because they took a job at some other school, like, you know, I don't know. Do you guys think that would be a good idea? And also would help with the fact, you know, that one of the things for expansion, why people have been not wanting to do it as much is because they don't know how to figure out, oh, we don't want to expand the season. But in a way, this wouldn't even expand the season because, you know, I was saying that these bowl games started on December 17th, and that's two weeks before the CFP even starts. So you still have two weeks to play these games without expanding the season at all. So um, I don't know what you guys would think, but I guess I'll let Zach go first. So I'm a I'm in favor of expansion, like to eight, but a 24 bracket like this seems like too many. And it seems like, well, yeah, I, it, I, I'm going to say it, it doesn't have to be 24, but just yeah. like, you know, some some sort of expansion. I, my favorite number is eight. That's what I've thought all along would be the best. I think 16s. I think that's a little too much of watering it down. It's not as big of a deal, you know, because it's even if you don't win the thing, it's still a pretty big deal to make the college football playoffs. Like that's a that's a premium goal that you can set for your team. But for this year, I mean, some of the, you know, teams in the top 25, like just not very good. And yeah, the matchups, like you said, I guess you'd be more incentive for the players to play in them, but they're not going to agree to this. I think Um, they're not going to want to have to play two extra games potentially in the season risk, you know, risking their bodies. I just don't see it working out i think the big schools aren't gonna like it um i don't it just seems a little too crazy to me to go from the system we have now to something crazy like this eight is like i said eight's my favorite number that's what i hope it ends up being but um this i i don't like the bowl situation but personally i don't think this is the answer um eric would do you have an opinion on this or yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you where I think eight is perfect. I mean, because, you know, the first of these bowl games, you know, have been happening, you know, since like what the 17th or something like that was when the first one was played. And then the, with the first college football playoff game not even happening till the 31st of, of, at the end of the year, I mean, you could very easily do one game at, say, around 
maybe the 20th of the month and then do another one on New Year's Eve. So they have a week and a half to prepare. And then, you know, usually the championship games around like the eighth or the ninth or something like that. And then that way they'd still have these players and teams would have plenty of time to rest in between the games. But then also it would make the bowl season more exciting because for the first two weeks of this bowl season, there's not very many games that people are realistically going to care about. But, you know, hey, December 20th, you've got, you know, Alabama versus Notre Dame and you've got uh, Oklahoma versus Clemson or something or whoever, you know, whoever makes it in the coming years, like, that would be a lot more exciting than, you know, while I'm grateful for the five points on the log board, that would be way more exciting than Utah state versus Oregon state. You know what I mean? So I, I would be in favor of that and then just sprinkling in some of these other games here and there, but an expansion, it would be great in my opinion. And I don't know, I guess that's all I got to say. <laughs> I don't, I don't yeah. know. I was kind of running. I was going to go in circles there at the end. My bad. No, no, it's fine. You yeah, know, I, yeah, it's definitely like this is obviously an extreme like this picture right here, but you know, it would definitely it there definitely I don't know what it would be, but there has to be some sort of solution to make this a little bit better to, you know, at least for the viewers sake. Cuz like you said, I mean, unless you're a fan of one of these teams that's in the bowl games, like and even for me, like I'm an App State fan, but even then I really didn't care about this bowl game that we were in like you know, it's I mean, I haven't really cared the last few years anyway. Like I know and they were talking to App State about it, too. Like, you know, before the Sun Belt championship game, they were like, oh, you know, how do you feel about winning? Like, you know, obviously that got broken this year. But up until this year, like, oh, how do you feel about winning, you know, five bowl games in a row or six bowl games in a row or whatever it was? And they were like, we don't care about that. Like we care about conference championships, like the bowl games that that's just like an extra thing that doesn't really mean anything to us. Like, you know, unless you're playing in like the orange bowl or the Rose bowl or something like no one cares about bowl games anymore. So who knows what it could be. Hopefully something happens and hopefully we don't get to the extreme that Zach talked about. Cause I feel like that would be the death of college football in December. Uh, if something like that were to happen. So, um, but that's going to wrap it up for this episode, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter at Clutch Crew Sport. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube at, uh, at the Clutch Crew Sports YouTube page. Give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, all those good things. Make sure you leave any questions down in the comments uh, on YouTube or on Twitter. If you want us to answer them on the podcast, we'd be more than happy to dedicate a few minutes of our time to answering your question. And that will be it. We're going to hopefully come back next week with some more. Uh, it might be a little bit different of an episode next week. It might just be me. Uh, Eric and Zach could be here too. Who knows? But, you know, we will be back next week regardless. Hope everyone before then has a Merry Christmas. And until yeah. next time, we'll see you guys later. Remember, be clutch and Merry Christmas. <laughs> Peace.